Everyone, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Polly's Pick'ems, the podcast, which is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is a site where you can record, edit, and then Anchor will help distribute your podcast to platforms such as Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Or if you're using a desktop or laptop, go to anchor.fm to get started today. Remember, it's Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. I would like to thank Bully Rye of Tapouts and Touchdowns, a.k.a. Ryan Frick, for, for reminding his listeners to come over and listen to my podcast. I can tell that the numbers have increased from last year to this year, so I would invite my listeners to go and listen to Tapouts and Touchdowns, hosted by your guy, Bully Rye. So let's go ahead and get into the show featuring Melanie Moody. Alright everyone, welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of Holly Pickens, the podcast. As mentioned before, I know I always say I have a special guest, but I really do have a special guest for this episode. The first woman I've ever had on the podcast, Miss Melanie Moody. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me, Derek. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I know you've been playing uh, Polly's Pickens back when I was not doing the whole uh, spreadsheet. I was actually writing it down on pen and paper. So I think you've been doing it for, what, seven, eight years now? Maybe three or four. I don't know. I hadn't paid attention. Oh, okay. I got you. Well, I mean, I know you were doing it when I was uh, doing the old copy and pasta, the same status in multiple groups. But, uh, mm-hmm. yep. Oh, so, now I'm you just moved to one group and we're all kind of exclusive there. Yeah. Someone said it would be easier to just, you know, just make a page and that way just invite people instead of, you know, trying to run around going to different groups i'm like you know what make it centralized that's a great idea very great idea mm-hmm. always does so okay. Melanie, uh tell uh tell the listeners uh about yourself well um i guess the best thing is uh i guess you could say describe me as football fan sports nut but only in football um christian um teacher um Quilter, dog mom, and anti extraordinaire, and I'm a bulldog through and th- and I love my Mississippi State Bulldogs. But the other thing about my overview is, speaking of which, there goes the dog. Yeah, I hear him in the background. <laughs> um, gosh, he's a snorkel. Anyway, oh. um. And he thinks everything, and he's a male, so he's got that whole, as they say, little man syndrome and all that. But anyway, um, I got my bachelor's from Mississippi State University, got my master's from Mississippi State University. And then when I was in my 30s, I decided to go back to grad school, and I went to the University of Alabama. I got my PhD there. I teach chemistry and biology at a community college in the state of Mississippi. I'm the science department head at the school. The school I teach at is East Mississippi Community College. We're the ones that were featured on Last Chance Year. Okay. Years. Oh, wow. So I'm going to be honest with you, Melanie. I, science was not my strong suit in school. Uh, Hush. Excuse me. Well, you're fine. And see, I went to a traditional setting. I went to Mississippi State University. So... Um, most of the classes you take as a freshman sophomore have about anywhere from 60 to 70 students in them good gosh the chemistry class i took my freshman year had a hundred had had was in a big auditorium and there were a hundred people in the class there were a hundred people in the class at least 100 to 150 my goodness Mm -hmm. wow there is an advantage to it and I always say that if it's 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 good forever. It if it if it works for you, then take it. If it's not, then go on to the community college, go on to the four year institution. If you're not sure about wanting to go to college, then go there first. Right. Yeah. And 
Some <laughs> sometimes the trades that uh, people are getting into, they may or may not pay better than. Or, or once you get done with school or you know the apprenticeship, you might be making more money than you would uh, at a four-year college, and you don't have the uh, worry of the college uh, loan debt you have to repay. Yeah, the um, the welding programs are are paying some. We have a welding program at our school, and it is paying really good money. And for students to go, I think we're talking a lot. I can't remember twenty, thirty dollars an hour or something like that. Wow! Starting out, starting out. Wow, that's. I think so, but don't hold me to it. I'd have to ask somebody to make sure about that, but. We have that, and then there's, and then a lot of them will do the practical nursing program. Or right. We have a truck driving program at one of the comp one of the campuses, and we're doing surgical tech as well. And because those are the need, we try to fix it so our school has fits the needs in the area of our of the district. Yeah, and yeah, kind of tailors it to the community. Yeah, that makes sense. I I can definitely see that. Mm -hmm. Well, Melanie, I have to say I didn't see the game, but I did see the score. Mm -hmm. Your Mississippi State Bulldogs really put it on those. Texas oh yeah, and Aggies. I was there because oh, I have wow. season tickets. I missed. I did not. The one I, I missed the. It was after halftime, and I missed part of the block punt that basically led to the block punt that led to the touchdown. And then I think I wasn't paying attention when they did that lap when they did the pick six, but I pretty much saw the rest of the game and everything. It was a great game, great atmosphere. I'm hoping we will have the same thing for our homecoming game when we play Arkansas. When we we host some host have some get to have a little barbecue Saturday with Arkansas. Okay, yeah. Uh I don't know if you've listened to a episode or two ago. I actually had an Arkansas fan, Ozette Kramer. Um, mm -hmm. He was uh, he's he's kind of hoping that his team uh, can be on the better side of uh, the game. So I guess I guess we'll just have to see here at uh, your homecoming. Mm -hmm. Well, I wasn't sure. I was I I kind of questioned our. I'll be honest with you. I questioned our athletics director idea of planning arkansas because he's got zach's got a point we've not beaten arkansas since 2019 so and see what happened two years ago when we played arkansas we were we were driving 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 it was looking good we had just beaten lsu the week before coming off yep. their national championship and then our quarterback kj costello who had an epic year the week game the week before with that 600 yards of rushing it was i'm hoping we're going to win for homecoming because after that we got kentucky and then we got alabama I, i'm gonna be honest with you i think uh, mississippi state is really one of the more solid teams in the west uh, i know <clears throat> hopefully zach's not listening to the podcast um but if he is zach uh i felt kind of bad because i thought y'all could hang with alabama as well but that secondary of y'all's anybody else Ole miss has an interesting schedule i don't think they're really they don't really have a pressing schedule because i think they've got vandy this weekend and then i think they got maybe um i think some uh, a family member told me yesterday i think they have auburn next mm. and then and then they and then somewhere in there they got to play and then then before they even get to alabama and i think they may be playing alabama in in oxford i mean uh they did beat auburn auburn wow they did beat alabama uh, within the last decade in Oxford, mm -hmm. and I, oh, I guess they would be Alabama back to back, but uh, mm -hmm. I think those games have uh, are long gone. Um, well, we'll see, we'll see. I, I don't, I have a feeling they're gonna get that chat. That's gonna be the that's gonna tell the tale for all Miss, but we'll see. I hope that we're in that mix, but. I watched the I watched the LSU game and I'm not so sure. Well, uh, I honestly did not get to see. Well, I didn't get to see all the games. I was doing a little bit of housework while the wife was at work. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Trying to think what games I saw. I saw like the first quarter of the Alabama Arkansas game I'd mentioned. I was like, okay, I'm going to turn this mm-hmm. off. This is going to be a blowout. I guess it got close later on, but uh, actually, the closest college team to where I live at actually went, uh, is, uh, sorry, Wake Forest and Winston Salem. Mm-hmm. And if I'd have thought about it, I could have got some tickets and saw them actually. No, I think, no, they, I'm sorry, they were playing in Florida State. Never mind, but, uh, or they were playing in Tallahassee, but. I did not expect uh, Wake Forest to go down there and beat Florida State, to be honest with you. I believe Mississippi State played Wake Forest in a bowl game several years back. And it was like Mullen, Dan Mullen's third year or something like that. Yeah, I remember old Dan Mullen was there for almost almost a decade, if I'm not mistaken. He would If he had stayed in 2009, he would have gotten – and won seven games. He would have been. He would have beat past Jackie Sherless, the winningest coach in Mississippi State history. Oh wow! Or if he had just gotten like eight more games or something like that. But I guess uh, when Florida fired their head coach, he jumped at the opportunity to go be a head coach. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if I necessarily would fault him for that or not. I guess it. Mm-hmm. I guess money talks. In the grand scheme of things, yeah. Well, he was he was a good coach, and he did a lot for Mississippi State. And I hope and I wish I it was hard when he left because a bunch of us. I wasn't sure. I, I didn't want to believe he'd left because he always talked about how happy he is, but he was at State, and his wife and apparently his wife loved, seemed to love living there. But he left, so it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, now Melanie, he's, um, now he's between jot. Now he's working for ESPN. Yep. Um, which I'm kind of wondering how long he's gonna be working at be sorry, stay working at ESPN because I know Mac Brown was there for a while. Maybe not ESPN, but I know I know Mac Brown's coaching the Tar Heels now, so he didn't stay in the studio too too long. Well, it'll, I think if it's the right job, he'll probably take it do it i think it's the right if he finds the right job and the right situation i think he would take the job but we'll just have to see what the right job is yeah i'm kind of kind of wondering if he's wanting to move out west because i know oh arizona state finally uh fired herm edwards uh i want to say a few weeks ago and they they're gonna have interim coach the rest of the year so i guess that's only college that i know of that is has a head coaching uh vacancy at the moment nebraska does oh that's right yeah scott frost yeah well georgia lost... tech does too georgia tech huh thanks now see i didn't even man you're you're schooling me i didn't even know i knew about i, I think about, georgia um... tech does see jeff collins who was the coach there was the like either the d i think he was the defense coordinator for mullen the year we went to number one and Manny Diaz, who was the head coach at Miami was Mullen's defensive coordinator too. Right. Yeah. And I, I remember, I think Diaz, Manny Diaz, I think he was, well, unfortunately for him, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was a defensive defensive coordinator for Texas at one point and mm-hmm. Texas had given up. I remember one game, they gave up over 500 yards rushing to BYU. And I'm thinking, wait a second. I I know I'm going back some years. I know in the 80s, BYU was, you know, throwing the ball all over the place. And I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. so they remember that. I I was born in the 80s, but I don't quite remember. I remember vaguely because I wasn't as big a football fan until I got to state and in college, I followed it. But I think one year in the 80s, no, every other team lost a game except for Brigham Young, and so they got like the de facto national national championship because nobody had won. Nobody else had. Everybody else was had won and lost a game, and they were undefeated. But it was because you know they didn't have the strength of schedule, but they didn't play anybody. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm sure back in back then. The- and I. Don't hold me to it, but Steve Young, who played for the 49ers, played for Brigham Young. Yeah, I was ascended to Brigham Young. 
I was wondering if it was him or Jim McMahon that uh, won that national championship in the 80s. I, I, I can't I, remember which one it was, but it may may have been somebody else. But I know both. both I, did, I forgot Jim McMahon played for him, but I know Steve Young did. Right. Because he's a descendant of Brigham Young. Brigham Young. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. Yeah. See, look at that, everyone. Melanie dropping knowledge for everyone on the podcast. Gotta love it. Melanie, um, I don't I'm not sure if uh, if I'd given you access to the spreadsheet um, mm-hmm. before. Uh, was there any, was there any uh, was there anybody that you were surprised that they made some picks or I guess what's your general uh, consensus of that? It'll pull up. I think it changed. You updated the new one right there, but I had it pulled up and now it's just that old one. Ah, uh, the that- new one. That was me out. I should have uh, saved, saved the old one. Oh, here it comes. Yeah, that was me. Thankfully for Google Spreadsheets, I can uh, go back a little bit. It even so, updated so. it from there. Yeah, I, I, I literally I just updated it. I'll be honest with you. I don't really pay attention to what everybody else picks and everything. So I'm just kind of, I'm weird that way. I just kind of take care of my own thing. Okay. I noticed a bunch of people kind of wanted to pick Oklahoma State and Baylor. They kind of, um, they kind of went with the fact that Baylor won the, I guess, because they won the Big 12 last year. Yeah, I was one of them. And Michigan and Iowa, a lot of people picked, did a good job with, I guess, quote unquote, good job with Michigan and Iowa. I was kind of leery about picking that one because of Iowa being, I was afraid that looked like a really close matchup. So I ended up, I think I went with Michigan because Michigan can score points. Iowa can't. Right. Well, I mean, I guess being on the road, um, I wasn't sure exactly how many points Michigan was going to score. I was like, I figured that they had the better athletes to um and southern cal looked pretty good yep and Ole miss um i was expect i i kind of wanted i didn't want to I'm, I'm a state fan so i felt weird about picking Ole miss when i won last week but i felt like it was the best best matchup of the week that would work really well and Ole miss looked good for the first half and then i think they both kind of either kentucky decided to show up or something or something. Yeah, Kentucky's uh, they showed up late, but uh, man, uh, Will Levis or what people call him in some of the smack talk groups, Banana Boy, he had a lot of uh, turnovers, which Ole Miss capitalized on and hung on to win the game. Well, sometimes with turnovers, you got it. You could sit there and say, "Well, they they got the dropsies and all that stuff, or they flipped the ball, or threw an interception." Sometimes that's just the defense blind pressure. And uh, Levis tried to go airborne a couple of times, and the Ole Miss defender timed it just right and popped the ball right out. So this is unfortunate. You gotta, for and, and when you're throwing the ball, you got to be careful about when to throw. So yeah. And so that's what sometimes some of the critics have said about Will Rogers. Sometimes he'll just throw. They've gotten mad when he's had when he has time to throw. He can he can throw them fine and he looks great but then if he's got too much pressure around him he's going to have a hard time throwing the ball everything i mean i think that's kind of true with anybody though if pressure is coming in your face you're trying to you know get rid of it so you don't take the sack but Ole miss it looks like i was like everybody else a lot of people did not pick Ole miss to win like i and i was one of them did not pick kentucky to win uh, well, no, we both picked Kentucky. I, luckily, I only had them at three confidence points. So I, I did, too. I picked them low. I just went with the over, the under on it because I figured it was going to be an SEC game. Most right, of right. them looked – I mean, I'm not sure how – I think if I think there was somebody that ended up getting your bonehead pick of the week, and he picked – Florida International with a high with a high confidence point or something. Florida Atlantic. Yeah, that was old Glenn Bray uh, picked up Florida Atlantic at yeah. If he, well, I mean, I can't say much because I picked Florida Atlantic at what Florida Atlantic as well, but I only had him at two confidence points. And then I, Bonehead of me, well, another one I had Louisiana at seven. So I, I don't know. I'm just trying to because I started out horribly. You started out good. 
I mean, if it hadn't been for Randy Gill, I guess another Mississippi State Bulldog fan for getting to give confidence points, I would have been in last place the first week of the season. So I'm trying to make moves. I'm like, you know, I've got to take some upsets. Maybe it'll happen, and I'm still still at the bottom. I didn't do so well that first week either. My problem is when I look at a when I'm picking first year, I started doing this. I just kind of pick based on you know whatever the familiarity of the team or whatever floated my boat. But last year I decided to do some thinking about it. So what I started doing was I started looking at the previous students, the previous persons, the previous, the team's schedule up to that point. Right. And then took it from there. This, that first week, I didn't have any baseline to work from. So I kind of was kind of flying blind and I ended up, after the first week, I was able to kind of get a little bit of a handle on what's going on. So that's the way I worked it. So I hope everything's uh, – that's just the way I've kind of done it. Oh, no, I was going to say, you, uh, you, ended up, you ended up last season, I think, in the top five, if I'm not mistaken. You and Jennifer Smith-Harmon doing, mm-hmm. did very well for yourselves. Girl power. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Girl power, exactly. And uh, the way we have uh, – I guess Jennifer had talked to Jasmine M. Montgomery to play as well. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see more women playing. Yeah. People are always surprised when I'm, cause I'll sit there and talk about football and stuff with my students, but I can talk about other stuff with other people. And it always surprises some of the people that I can sit there and talk about it and how I know so much. And I'm like, I've been watching football since I was a kid, you know, mm-hmm. my family has always been, we've been state fans first and foremost. And I mean, I was, I've been a state fan all of my life. And so we followed football. And so it's, I've never been a basketball fan. I will follow SEC basketball, but football's always been my sport. Same here. Ironically enough, seeing as how I'm a state fan, but <laughs> Well, no, I mean, uh, I believe the the women have done pretty decent in basketball. And I think they won a national championship within the last decade, if I'm not mistaken. We got second place two years in a row. Oh, okay. That's that's. I mean, we, the year we beat UConn with Morgan William, we still we lost to South Carolina. Ah, uh, that's right. And then the next year we lost in the last minute to um notre dame and then vic schaefer stuff we're gonna basketball i think it's gonna we're gonna see what happens this year we've had we have a new women's coach and we also have a new men's coach both and so and we hired chris jans who was at new mexico for the men's and then we hired a longtime assistant i think it's sam purcell i think his name is from louisville oh okay so we're looking forward to seeing how I'm looking forward to seeing how things are going to go with the basketball team. And everybody always, it always used to throw people at Mississippi state because I'd say, I like football and all. And everybody said, but we're a baseball school. And I'm like, I, I was like just getting football. ready to mention that. Cause we won a national championship in baseball. And I'm like, but I mean, I'm a football fan. I remember being at a game and this guy started talking started talking saying bad stuff about how they weren't going to work and i just looked at it well that's kind of depressing and he starts saying okay touchdown and all the people around me said did you have fun fun talking to to this guy who was the star of the one of the stars of the baseball team i said that was him <laughs> uh, I, I said i didn't know that was him i just was to i'll talk football with anybody so right well, I mean, uh, I guess uh, that 60, I, I believe it was $68 million that they invested in the baseball stadium, um, like bringing it up to, uh, I guess, snuff would be the word. Maybe not, but uh, yeah, it, it definitely paid off. Uh, was it Vanderbilt? Y'all uh, won the national We beat Vanderbilt. Okay. We beat Vanderbilt in the College World Series. Yeah, the baseball stadium, um, it's, it's, it's probably comparable to – some really good some baseball um some profession in in major league baseball stadiums one of our most famous alums is the lady that designed the park in baltimore their oh. name's janet something or another good i can't remember her last name. Hmm. 
can or one of the other and a couple of other baseball stadiums. Wow. I did not know that either. Wow, I'm just dropping knowledge here, Melanie. I like it. have a lot of famous, if you were naming people that were famous alums from Mississippi State, we try to keep up with them. We, I try to make sure I know who they are. Like, for example, I think, um, don't get political on me, but if I'm not bad mistaken, Marsha Blackburn went to state. And she's a senator from Tennessee. And then, okay. of course, John Grisham. And so, oh, I love his novels. Of course, John Grisham. So I keep up. I try to know who famous people that went to Mississippi State. And of course, Dak Prescott and yeah. Fletcher Cox. In terms of football, we got Dak Prescott and Fletcher Cox and you other Montez Sweat and then Jeffrey Simmons and then Bailey Howell who was a big guy in the one of our big basketball players in the 60s who played for the Celtics I couldn't even begin to tell you all of all or any of Tennessee well I mean I could tell you some of Tennessee's uh, people but I mean it's not really about me Tennessee's got quite a few alums I mean um, I remember the SEC stories doing a show on the voice of the radio announcers and the guy that was, I can't remember his name, but the Tennessee radio announcer got a lot of love on that show. So and talked about how he good, they said they interviewed Peyton Manning during the show. And he said, I just call the athletic department. I'd be on, they put me on hold and he would just do his best. They do like a loop of his best calls and he'd be in the middle of listening to one and he'd tell him put me back on hold i want to hear the rest of that <laughs> uh hilarious and it's just like and with jack crystal who was mississippi states he didn't have a lot of good games but everybody always talks about his call and what was cool is Jack Crystal has since passed away, but they interviewed his daughters in that show. And they talked about some of the most infamous games that he called, like, for example, and I remember the game because it was Jackie Sherrill's last year. He has to do a sonic drive of the game, and he said, it's going to be my drive home. Mm. <laughs> we all thought it was hysterical. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, and he, the way he did it, he's going to, hopefully it'll be uneventful. And then another time he talked about how the reason he started saying rapid and maroon and white is in an interview, he said was because he had listened to the Tennessee fans say all week, we're going to wrap this in orange and white. When he ended the game, when we won, he said, we're going to wrap this in maroon and white. Kind of borrowing. I can see that. But, um, do you have what did you think about the week for the games that you watched and everything? Um, I will say I didn't have this as a pick'em game, but I was thoroughly astonished that TCU did what they did to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. that was a surprise. I don't know. Oklahoma has kind of lost their identity since Lincoln Riley left. We'll have to see what's going to happen with them. Yeah. And um. I'm hopefully they will get it together in time because they're joining the SEC in two years. So yeah, them and Texas. So uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of curious how they're how that's going to work. Uh, I know people have, or I have seen and heard some people say that they're going to try to go to pods, whatever that means, since there's going to be 16 teams. As long as state doesn't have to, I said, that'll be interesting. It's going to depend on what's going to happen with the pods because there have been a lot of people that have wanted to rearrange the divisions Mm -hmm. and stuff, but it seems like the, based on my picking of everything is Alabama wants to still continue to play Tennessee and Georgia wants to get Georgia and Auburn still want to continue to play each other. So, right. And my suggestion would you say, we'll move them to the East and then everybody else can stay in the West. Yeah. I mean, swap somebody out from Missouri because Missouri playing in the East is silly. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say they're further North and West than a lot of the, uh, but I mean, that's, 
I don't know how they decided Texas A&M was going to go to the West and Missouri was going to go to the East. I guess because SEC had been around since, what, the 1920s. They didn't want to upset the apple cart, maybe. I don't know. Arkansas didn't join the SEC till the 90s. Uh, Yeah, them and South Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. So Arkansas. So it's – it's. I think they just did Texas A&M. I think because Texas A&M already had kind of a natural rivalry with maybe LSU and Arkansas, and they were the first ones to join. And then Missouri just kind of piggybacked along with them. So I don't know, but it's it's going to be interesting to see how things go when they do this pods. Yeah. Now, I take that back, Melanie. There was uh, one game I, I did – well, I saw the ending the last quarter of the game, uh, Missouri and Georgia. hmm Wow. It was. I sat there when I was driving home because the traffic after leaving the game was kind of bad around Starkville, and I ended up being stuck in traffic for an hour, and I have Sirius XM on my phone, my car, and – I turned on the radio and I, and what they do with the series is they'll show you the score of the game while they're showing the radio broadcasters. Uh-huh. And I had to basically rub my eyes cause they, cause they showed the score of being Missouri was beating George. And I'm like, are you sure that's right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I turned it on too. Cause I was watching, I feel what game I was watching. And it was like, Oh yeah. Uh, Missouri's, uh, Georgia has never led in this game. I'm like, oh, I gotta turn it over. So I turned it over to that channel. I'm like, this is ridiculous. It's fourth and then, quarter. And then it got to the point where I was like, I'm looking at that game and I'm going, and I remember thinking the SEC network was kind of si- dumb for picking that game. <laughs> and then it was probably the better bet that that was probably the best game of the night. So, yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't. I definitely don't disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, Georgia in a close win and Auburn in a close loss. I know they're playing next week. Mm-hmm. Ah. Hopefully, the Dish Network will get their situation sorted out with ESPN. Oh, um, yeah. The tailgate people. We have these different tailgaters, and the tailgate spot. We have these people called Southern Tailgate, and what they'll do is you pay them to set up all the TV and all that stuff and the generator and all that. You just bring the food and they'll give you a couple of chairs. Well, they all work through dish Mm. and had to make some adjustments and we couldn't want, I think when I got there, the people I was with, I said, why don't y'all have the Ole Miss game on? Why don't y'all have this game, the Ole Miss game on? And they said, well, we're dish and ESPN are not getting along, so they had a different game on. Now, yeah. the tailgate group next to us, who must have been on direct TV or something, had the game on. So, when my cousin, who was with one of my family members that was there, had the had it on his phone. Maybe they'll get that sorted out. <laughs> I hope so. For everyone that loves college football, hopefully they can get over that contract dispute. Be good. Okay, Miss Melanie. Uh, well, was uh, there anything else? Was there anything else you would like to talk about or discuss? I don't think so. I think that we kind of covered. There's a whole lot of you can talk about. I could probably talk about football and music. And I forgot to add that I'm a music lover too. Music all day long. I lived in Memphis for eight years. And I happened to be living there when Elvis passed away. Mm. So Elvis is, I love Elvis and I love any kind of music, but I kind of end up, Elvis is probably my first love because that's why I named my dog after him. Okay. Maybe we could do this in the off season. Oh yeah, I definitely, I would definitely be down for that for sure. Okay. Or do something, kind of wrap up the season and everything. I can talk college football with anybody all day long. It always surprises people. When I used to do the 24-7 jeans page, Mm -hmm. one of these precursors they used to do for the message boards, 
you didn't have your first name. It's whatever your name was. It was always some username. And people were always surprised when they met me and they'd said, or they'd say something, they'd say dude or something like that. I said, I'm not a dude. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, well, you know so much. I said, you're very well versed. I've been following football since I was old enough to walk. I tell people the first word I wanted to learn to spell when I was learning how to read was the word bulldog. Nice. It really was. <laughs> so uh, I made my mother spell it out for me on a piece of paper so I could spell out, give me a B, give me so. <laughs> So, so I'm so a forth, state huh? fan. That I've been a state fan. I mean, I tell people it's like I'm a lifelong state fan. But I got my PhD at the University of Alabama. It made things interesting <laughs> living there. I were you wearing your bulldog regalia there? I did sometimes, but the color and the maroon. I remember my boss saying when I was doing something with the. Uh, we had to do a slide with our names on it and a picture and our schools. And so everybody in our group did our school color, the school, the name of where we got our masters and our bachelors in school and our school colors. Mm -hmm. And I had Mississippi state, my boss who was an Alabama fan long time said, I can't tell the difference. <laughs> I said, well, maroon's darker than crimson. Yeah, just a yeah, shade and too darker. And I could tell the difference. I could, I said, I told him I can. <laughs> and it was kind of obvious because um, I have a vanity tag that says, talks that says um, MSU that talks about chemistry and that says Kim Dog on it. <laughs> <laughs> and the people in Tuscaloosa that knew me said, yeah, that's, that's her car. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh man because so it was kind of obvious and and but it was real rough because that was during jackie Sherrill's last three years and croom's years and we weren't that good <laughs> we were horrible in football yeah my dad would say yeah my dad said uh mississippi state was one of those they weren't really that good but they would you know if, if like a good team came down to starkville you know they'd usually pull the upset every now and then well when cheryl's last three years we were awful it just i think it just mm. wife got, had cancer and i think he lost his mom and he lost a family member and it was just and the ncaa was going after him so he just decided to Stop. And that was where he, he sued the NCAA. Oh, wow. Croom had to rebuild a whole lot and remodel, a whole, redo a whole lot of stuff. So yep. we were not that, we were not, we were just horrible. <laughs> so, and I was living in Tuscaloosa amongst that. But the bat, the last, I think the last two years, one of the 2006 and seven were good because we did beat Alabama in football those two years. Uh, I believe y'all have beaten Alabama more recently than my team has. We the beat case. them. Saban, the last time we beat them was Saban's last first year. And we beat them in 2006, and we beat them in 2007. And we're, the supposedly everybody in Tuscaloosa said the reason that we got they got Saban was because we beat them and helped kind of push Shula out the door. <laughs> Well, Sheila didn't. I thought he he was the the strip club coach. That no, that was Price. Oh, see, I got Sheila that was. They fired Price and replaced him with Sheila. That's right. So they and then they decided to get Nick set. Then they decided to hire Saban to replace to, to replace Sheila. And it's so, been a ramp ever since. And it's been a good thing for them ever since. We'll just have to see how how things go with the rest of it. He didn't lose to his Saban didn't lose to an assistant till last year. So. It took it took everything Texas A and M had to beat Alabama at home too. 
And then he lost to Cut Smart the net later on that at, in the championship game. So we'll have to see. It'll be an interesting setup if Saban ever when Saban I'm not if when Saban retires. We'll it might see. be sooner than we think. I wonder if he'll ever pass Bear Bryant in terms of wins at Alabama. It may not be because Bryant was there for so long. That may be what he's looking for. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I think he might have my maybe winning percentage, but maybe not wins. Well, see, did you hear the Kentucky? I don't know if you you were paying attention to this or not, but um, Kentucky, Mark Stoops, who's the Kentucky coach, is the winningest coach in Kentucky history. I do remember seeing that. And did you see who he passed? Uh, It had to be Bear Bryant then. Uh Uh-huh. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, definitely. That was, was kind of interesting because it's like, so he passed Bear Bryant. Like I told you, Mullen could have beaten Jack, could have passed Jackie Sherrill if he hadn't gone to Florida. Didn't do too good at Florida because they fired him. Mullen had an ego. I think that if he had just kind of let, not been as like he was about this about certain things like recruiting and stuff, he probably would still be there. But who knows? I mean, yeah, good point. I mean, Ron Zook at Florida didn't last too long either. So Mm -hmm. who's to say? (laughs) Um, Ron Zook got fired because he lost Sylvester (laughs) Crohn's. Oh, man. I mean, he was having problems, and then it was Crohn's first year, and then Mississippi State beat beat Croom and he was fired two days after that. Then State beat him and he was fired two days later. Sheesh. It was, you don't, may not remember this because you're a Tennessee fan, but it got to be a joke while Croom was there. Any team that lost to Sylvester Croom in Mississippi State was said they got Croomed. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't hear that, but that does make sense. Because he beat, and he ended up, he beat Tommy Tuberville, and mm-hmm. Tommy Tuberville was eventually fired. He beat, I think Saban's pretty much the only one that didn't get fired. Shula, and he got fired. Ron Zook, I think, I don't think he ever beat Cutcliffe, but he did beat, uh, and he did beat Ed Orgeron. Back when Orgeron was at Mississippi? Yeah. Huh. And I don't think he ever beat LSU, any of the teams at Saban or Miles at LSU. <clears throat> While Mullen was there, uh, Mississippi State stayed at number one for, what, five weeks, I believe? Yeah, it was. And I was at that game when they when they beat Auburn to go to number one. Oh, wow. Like I said, I go I'm, – I'm not a big – I graduated from Alabama, but I'm a state fan first. I was at that game. It was a pouring down, horrible, rainy game, but we won. Amen for that. Thanks. Thank, thankfully, y'all did win, for sure. Well, shall we wrap this up? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Melanie, I know I've already posted this in the uh, – or on the page, I guess I should say, but I'll go ahead and give the games for those that may not – have picked yet before the podcast comes out um i'll give i'll give the games and then then we can wrap it up okay. uh, for the acc matchup i have duke at georgia tech for the big 10 i have wisconsin at northwestern the big 12 features kansas state at iowa state the sec uh jennifer chose tennessee at lsu and the risk reward is the over of i'm oh, sorry the over under is going to be 63 points kind of like the over-under was for you that you picked last week. I should have lowered it. And, I mean, I, I, I didn't think either of those schools were going to, like, throw up those kind of uh, – those numbers with the defense, to be honest with you. So, I, it's, I'm glad everyone took the under, though. I went with it because the average score of all – I combined the average score of the teams. I think if it had been a later kickoff. I probably would have gone with 50 or 60 again. Okay, yeah. And I think if, if it had been like a later kickoff, I might have said, okay, yeah, we'll do that. But like in the sun and all that, I was like, uh, I don't think they'll uh and it was also the SEC game, so most of the rest of them were all kind of cupcakes. So yeah. I lived and learned. 
For the Pac-12, we have Washington at Arizona State. For the American Athletic Conference, it'll be South Florida at Cincinnati. The Conference USA will be Connecticut or UConn at Florida International. For Eastern Michigan and Western Michigan for the MAC. Wyoming at New Mexico for the Mountain West. And the Independent will be BYU at Notre Dame. So if you have not got your picks in yet, go ahead and do so. That Notre Dame BYU is going to be interesting. Kind of one reason why I picked it, just to see what people would, uh, or how they would choose the games and where they would put either Notre Dame or BYU. Well, you've got a good mix of games. It's just I'm going to have to look back and see what the scores for everything are before I start doing my confidence picks and everything. I, yeah, I was going to say, I know you're one of the few that, like, within the first few hours of the post going up, you're usually you're usually there. I'm like, I was kind of surprised. Well, not really surprised since you're doing the podcast. But uh, I was going to give myself a couple of minutes to kind of look over. I need to take some time to look over everything before I make the decision. Well, good thing for you, Melanie, and anyone and everyone else. There are no Friday night games this week. So I caught, a, I caught one person slipping. Old Scotty Wright didn't get his picks in in time and didn't bother to make picks this week. Melanie, I think you'll do uh, – you've been consistent so far this year. I think you will keep it up. Okay. Well, I hope everything – it was fun. I enjoyed this. Oh, same I was, here. I was kind of nervous about all this, but I didn't want to let you down because you said you mentioned that some people have said, yeah, I'll do it, and then they just – life got in the way. Yeah. I mean, it, the first episode, I mean, the guy that won the college last year, he uh, – like I said, I, I don't know. For whatever reason, he just couldn't be on. So I was like, well, I'm not going to, you know, get someone in last minute. I'll just do it myself, and, you know, we'll, we'll just go from there. Well, Melanie, I do appreciate it, and uh, look forward to having you on in the future if there is a cancellation or an open date. Yeah, I had a good time. I really did. Thank you for having me. Sure, no problem, Melanie. Hey, we're Camille and Kennerly, the Harp Twins. You might know us from our viral electric harp covers of bands like Metallica, Iron Maiden, Billy Idol, and more. We also compose and perform our own original Nordic Celtic inspired songs and albums. You can find our music, streaming links, and tour dates on harptwins.com. We are the Harp Twins, and you're listening to Polly Pickham's The Podcast. Knock, knock. Who's there? Owen. Owen who? Owen 4. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to fall to Owen 4 in the fantasy league that is going to correspond with the podcast. But before I get into fantasy, I would like to first talk about Polly's Probables and the standings. Uh, Polly's Probables... I mean, I'm betting 500 for the third week in a row. Three right and three wrong. We'll go with the ones I got wrong first. Uh, Derek Carr, the Chicago Bears defense, and Tyler Bass. I said Derek Carr was going to make his projected point total against the Denver Broncos. Unfortunately, he did not. I believe it was around 16 is what he was projected. He got 11. So, swung and missed there. The next one kind of hurts a little bit. Uh, The Chicago Bears... They were projected 7.1. I know on the page I had put 7.2, but that was a little earlier in the week. It fell 0.1 points to 7.1. They got seven points exactly. So uh, that 0.1 point could have been 4-2 and two this week instead of 3-3. Three and three. But, you know, it is what it is. And Tyler Bass, I said, no, he was not going to make his projected point total. But he did kicked three field goals and two extra points and kicked the game-winning field goal against the Baltimore Ravens, 23-20. So Buffalo Bills won that game, obviously. The the picks that I got correct were Miles Sanders, Mike Evans, and Mark Andrews. Uh, Both Miles Sanders and Mike Evans were projected, you know, mid-teens, like 15, 16 points. They both smashed it more than doubled what they were projected. 
So good on that. And I did say Mark Andrews was not going to make his projected point total of 16 roughly points. Uh, He did not. He had three points total. So those were the games that I got correct. Moving on to the standings. Uh, We have had some movement. David Wells is now in first place. But we're going to mention the individual that had the highest score of the week, Ben Wilson. And he uh, got 125 points and moved into a tie, a five-way tie for fourth place. He is tied with Jennifer Smith Harmon, George Johnson, Marcus Nathaniel Cassidy, and Jasmine M. Montgomery with 360 points total. Uh, Conversely, the individuals that fell for this were Tyler and Shane. They both fell four spots to 10th place, a tie for 10th place. They both have 345 points total. So the standings are currently David Wells has 405 points, John Dale 380, William Carpenter 370, the four-way tie at, at, for the individuals I mentioned earlier, 360. I'm in ninth place with 350. Tyler and Shane are tied for 10th with 345. Charles Daniel Bentley, 12th place with 340. Brad Betts, 13th place with 320. Glenn Bray, 14th, 260. And Mitchell Jones down there with 75 points. Mitchell, if you're listening to the podcast, do not turn into a Dylan Turbo or a Steve Rogers from last year where they picked one week and didn't pick anymore. Uh, Maybe you thought that you couldn't do much better than 75 points, but if that was the case, if I had that mindset the first week of the season for the college, uh, there would not be this episode or – this, uh, the pickums because I would I would feel that oh okay I'm not going to win so I'm not even going to try, I'm I'm not going to do that, I've accepted I'm not going to win the college pickums this year I am still in the running for the NFL, so I mean only <clears throat> I'm less than a hundred points away from you know first place anything can happen we still got a lot of games left. So we'll see what happens. Uh, so before I forget, Ben gets to choose a risk-reward stipulation, and David Wells gets to give me a team and a position for Polly's Probables. Hopefully I can write the ship. 9 and 15 is not horrible. It comes out to 37.375, which I'm going to round up to 38%. Better than going 0 and 24 with for 0%. So, at, you know, at least I'm... Um, Doing better than zero, I guess. We're going to try and write the ship with this week's of uh, Polly's Probables once David gives me a team and a position. All right. So let's get to the fantasy, and I'll talk about that shortly as soon as the phone loads. Okay. So my opponent this week, Jacob Moore. Man, he jumped out to a 56 to nothing lead on Thursday, mainly because he had Cincinnati Bengal and Miami Dolphin players. So I thought, okay, oh, here we go again. I'm not I can go and write this week off. But that wasn't the case. Uh I was actually projected to win. I had a better winning percentage, I guess you could say, through the first couple quarters of the early games. And then the after halftime, uh, that's when Jacob and his players really turned it on and pulled away, and I, they did not look back. I'm thinking, oh, man. So I had a chance to win, and I let it slip through my fingertips. Uh, I'm not going to harp on it anymore other than to mention uh, I made a post on the page regarding a certain quarterback and a wide receiver that did not really produce for me. I thought that they would, so I uh, swapped them in the lineup. 
the individual that got the highest amount of points for me was Derrick Henry. Got me 23.7 points on the starting lineup. 114 yards and a touchdown. And the most amount of points I left on the bench was Cortland Sutton of the Denver Broncos. Got me 16.2. I originally had him in the starting lineup, um, but I took him out for whatever reason. Uh, I think I put Nico Collins, the Houston's first first string wide receiver, who I had left on the bench up until this point. And he had a you know a decent showing, 11.2 points. I think he beat his projected point total, and I saw that the Chargers did not have a very good pass defense, so that's why I promoted him to the starting lineup. I don't know how I'm going to do it for week five yet. not going to give away any strategy, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, let's see who Jacob had on the starting lineup that got him the most amount of points. That was Tyreek Hill of the Miami Dolphins. Got him 25.9 points. 10 receptions, 160 yards. Not too shabby. And Daniel Jones, the New York Giants quarterback, got him 21.64, the most on the bench. Uh, 71 yards, I'm guessing 71 yards passing and two rushing touchdowns. So... Not too bad. Jacob ended up beating me 126.28 to 102.68. The next game, the Tennessee Golf Balls, Brad Betts, and Team Mooney, Tyler Mooney. Let's see here. Tyler won, wow, 163.1 to 105.9. In a losing effort, the individual that got Brad the most amount of points was Leonard Fournette. Negative three yards and... Receiving touchdown. I'm not sure what the negative three yards shows because I don't have the uh, I don't have the whole line uh, pulled up. It just has a condensed version. And the individual that got Brad the most amount of points was Jimmy Garoppolo, 14.86. On no, I take that back. It's uh, Corey Davis of the New York Football Jets, 18.4 points. Five receptions, 74 yards, and a touchdown that he left on the bench. Let's see who Tyler had on the starting lineup that got him the most amount of points was Josh Jacobs of the Las Vegas Raiders, 34.5 points, 144 yards, and two touchdowns. Not shabby at all. Let's see who Tyler Mooney has on the bench that got him the most amount of points. That was Daryl Henderson Jr. of the Los Angeles Rams. 27 yards, good for 6.9 points. So Tyler went all in, and uh, no one on his bench got double digits. So good on Tyler for that. Tyler Mooney, that is. The next game features a Tyler as well, but it's Tyler Hutton. And he actually beat Chris Dean of Georgia Dean. Uh, George, sorry, yeah, Wow, George. Chris, in a losing effort, the individual that got him the most amount of points was Miles Sanders, one of my Pauly's probables that I said would beat his projected point total, and he did. 134 yards and two touchdowns, good for a 29.6 points total. Let's see who Chris left on the bench that got him the most amount of points. That was Tom Brady of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 385 yards and three touchdowns, good for 25.4 points in a losing effort. Hudden, Tyler Hudden, let's see. Justin Jefferson of the Minnesota Vikings, 31 points overall. 10 receptions, 147 yards, and a rushing touchdown. Not bad, not bad at all. And the individual that got him the most amount of points on the bench was J.K. Dobbins. Wow. 22.3 points, 41 yards, and two total touchdowns. So he got the touchdowns when it mattered, even though he got less than 50 yards. Next game, no punt intended. That was, oh, if I didn't mention the score, that was 146.26. Tyler Hutton had to Chris Dean's 139.36. Next game, we'll go ahead and mention the score so I don't forget. Atlanta Super Mario Brothers, Glenn Bray had 139.18, and my co-worker, Andrew Bridges, no punt intended, had 
two, excuse me, Mike Evans, the Tampa Bay wide receiver who was also of Pauly's probables, which smashed his projected point total. Eight receptions, 103 yards, and two total touchdowns, good for 30.3 points. On the bench, he left uh, Ryan Tannehill of the Tennessee Titans, 137 yards and two touchdowns. Okay. And Glenn had in the starting lineup that got him the most amount of points was, looks like, Christian McCaffrey. Wow. Christian McCaffrey, he's healthy. And when he's healthy, he puts up numbers. Uh, 27 yards and a receiving touchdown. I'm sure he had more, but that's all that ESPN is showing me for 25.8 points total. And Glenn left Ryan or Matt Ryan, the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts on the bench. I got him the most amount of points, 17.84. So Matt Ryan and Ryan Tannehill went head to head. Matt Ryan actually beat Ryan Tannehill in fantasy but the Indianapolis Colts fell short of the Tennessee Titans, uh, 24-17, unfortunately. The next game, the Alabama Gumps, my sister and brother-in-law, Emily and Montel, and Team Ghost Killer, Anthony Contreras. I guess he would be my brother-in-law. He's my wife's sister's husband. I don't know how that works. I'm not going to try and think about it right now. Uh, he won 120.74297.96. So in a losing effort, let's see who Emily Montel had for they got the most got them the most amount of points on the starting lineup. That would Clyde Edwards Alaire of the Kansas City Chiefs. 92 yards and two total touchdowns, good for 22.4 points. Uh the most they left on the bench was Rex Burkhead of the Houston Texans. Uh, zero yards and a receiving touchdown. Huh. Okay. Good for 14.9 points. All right. And let's see who Anthony had. Oh, Damian Pierce, the other Houston running back. 26.9 points total, 131 yards and a touchdown. Let's see who Anthony left on the bench. They got him the most amount of points. Zach Wills. No, I'm sorry. The Wow. The Philadelphia defense, 20 points. Sheesh. Let's take a look at who Anthony had for his starting defense. Green Bay, not bad. Nine points. But that 20 points for the Philadelphia defense? Ah, man. Well, I, I know they did have a lot of takeaways against Jacksonville. So that's I'm sure that helped boost their score for sure. Yeah, like I said before, if I didn't mention it, 120.74 to 97.96. And the final game, tapouts and touchdowns. Ryan Frick had 155.9 points against Rome's Renegades. Jerome Winston had 115.48. Let's see who Ryan had on the starting lineup that got him the most amount of points. <laughs> TJ Hawkinson. Uh I'll mention my other league, which I said I wasn't going to mention, but I am going to mention after I get done with this league. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, 39.9 points total. Almost 40 points for a tight end. That's crazy. And the individual that Ryan left on the bench, that got him the most amount of points was Jared Goff, the quarterback of the Detroit Lions, just like Hawkinson was. 33.22 33.22 points. Uh, Ryan had Tua Tagovailoa on the starting line. I've got him 2.4 points. So, Ryan, luckily, Shane does not do the bonehead award for the NFL because that probably would constitute the bonehead award. At least it would for me. Uh, you know, golf, 33 points. Tua, a little over two. Just saying. And let's see who Rome Jerome had for the on the starting lineup. I should say that guy had the most amount of points. That was Russell Wilson. Wow, Russell Wilson did not have a good game against the Forty ers fantasy wise, but he redeemed himself this week in a losing effort. Uh, Twenty seven point four eight points, two hundred thirty seven yards, and three total touchdowns. 
Not too bad. And Rome, let's see who he left on the bench. Got him the most amount of points. That would be Rashad White of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Six yards, a touchdown, and a fumble. Uh, got him 14.6 points. So, you know, not too bad. Uh, I guess I don't feel too bad. Rome not really picking on you, kind of, but not really. Uh, we're both at 0-4 in our respective divisions. I guess who's going to get the first win of the season? Is it going to be Jerome or is it going to be me? I don't know. Now, what I did want to mention um, from my brother-in-law's league, which I'm, uh, I guess you could say a money league. Uh, yeah, I had TJ Hawkinson and Jared Goff in that league on my starting lineup, and I crushed my opponent this week. So on the flip side, I have uh, four wide receivers, two starters, and two bench players that were ruled out. Uh, Keenan Allen, Jacoby Myers, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Zay Jones. So I had to, I didn't pick anybody up. Did not pick anybody up off of waivers. I didn't want to panic just yet. Just put them on the bench and hoped for the best. And you know, thank goodness for Jared Goff and T.J. Hawkinson for coming in clutch for me. And also. A uh, little honorable mention, uh, Dallas's defense, uh, what they did against the Washington Commanders, they they showed out for me as well in the money league that I said I would try not to mention on this podcast. So I'm hoping that uh, those gentlemen that I mentioned, the wide receivers, I hope they all get healthy. Um, I still need them. I mean, I'm glad the other people produced with without them. But I definitely drafted Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Keenan Allen in that league, and I picked up Zay Jones and Jacoby Myers off of waivers. So, gentlemen, get healthy, because uh, I need you guys to keep on producing for me so I can improve my record in that league, where I'm actually doing pretty good at 3-1. and one. I'm not 0-4. Well, that will conclude this segment of the NFL portion of the show. So I love you all. Thank you for listening, and I will talk with you soon. Bye.